Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hello, everybody. It's Marguerite Crispillo, and welcome to another fantastic edition of Real Estate Real World, our podcast that we do. We have a ton of fun on this podcast talking to real people out there that are real action takers and getting it done, so to speak, right? And today we have an awesome guy, Josh Anderson. I met uh, a few weeks ago, and we have a funny story because I met him at a Zillow event. I think we were at the Inman Conference in San Francisco. And I met him, and then you get, you know, you get so busy and so distracted in these events. Then I walk away, and 10 minutes later, I walk up, and I introduce myself again. He's like, you're crazy. I just met you 10 minutes ago. (laughs) So so I would love to say that I'm not crazy, but yes, I'm a little bit crazy. So it was fantastic to meet you, Josh. And after we actually got to chat for a little bit, after we set our drinks aside, I said, i got to have you on my podcast. So welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You bet. So let me read Josh's bio here real quick. Originally from Nashville, Josh graduated from Louisiana State University in international trade and finance. Wow, smart one too. Josh served eight years in the U.S. Army. Thank you. Including a 10-month stint in Bahram, Afghanistan during Operation Enduring Freedom. These experiences, coupled with the education he received from Louisiana State, have molded him into a very focused, disciplined, and strong-willed individual. Josh Anderson can best be described as a man of high energy with a passion for Nashville real estate. He's a business-savvy professional with a strong desire to cater to his clients' particular needs. Client satisfaction is paramount. Love that. Josh's market expertise, coupled with his superior negotiating skills, set him apart from the rest. So, welcome, sir. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. So, I've only been to Nashville, like, once, and it was kind of like flying through. I was on my way to see. My parents uh, lived in Morganfield, Kentucky, and so I flew into Nashville one time so that I could go visit him, and I would love to go back and spend some time. What an amazing city. It is. It is. There's been tons of development in the last couple of years, so if you haven't been in the last three to five years, our, our food game has, our restaurants are amazing, lots of new development, it's it's pretty cool. I love all the, the music scene there too, right? You know, all the kind of country western bars and, uh, you know, it was, I remember ending up in this one little like corner hole in the wall bar and the guy playing, I wish I had written out his name, but I didn't, was incredibly talented, like so amazing. Yeah, there are tons of amazing singer-songwriters here. Yeah, so how did you, from all of your schooling and military background, how did you end up in real estate? Yeah, it was kind of a fluke a little bit. I, I worked at an investment bank and uh, ended up, you know, I think you have an idea about what you're going to do and you've got this certain idea in your head and it just didn't end up being what I wanted. And so I was getting my real estate license because I wanted to buy a couple investment properties. And um, I just kind of came to this point where I said, I'm going to try this. And um, 
wasn't married, didn't have any kids, so it was like, it was kind of perfect. And uh, ended up um, selling my first house in about three months, and it was like I was addicted. <laughs> Isn't it funny? You get that first, like you, you, you end up in that first deal. Yeah, like you give them their keys, you get a big commission check, and you're like, wow. Like, that, it's like crack probably. I don't know what crack's That's like, right. but I'm guessing it's yeah. some sort of addiction. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. so, and and that, was, uh, that was April, let's see, May, June. That was like July of 2006. I've been in the business since April of 2006. And so you even got in at the top, top, top of the market, like right when the market was crashing. Perfect timing. Yeah, I didn't know it was about to go like this. <laughs> so. Well, how did yeah, you handle that? That's probably good for my business, though, because I've, it's gone up every year and we've continued to grow. And um, I don't, I've, I've always done the basics really, really well. Um, just because I had to, I didn't, you know, I've written lots of handwritten notes and pick up the phone and call people and ask for business and add tons of value, uh, as much as I can. And it's paid off. So. You know, and I, I do think that some of the best people have started in tough markets. I know I got my license in 1993 back when interest rates were like, we were so happy they were at 8%, you know, and, uh, and it was tough. I mean, we had to do it the way you're supposed to do it. You know, you have to do the basics. You have to make the calls. You have to go out and meet the people. As opposed to the people who learned it in the top of the market when, honestly, in many situations, all they had to do was answer the phone, you know. Like in California here, one out of three people, I think, in the population of the state had their real estate license. Crazy. Yeah, even just yesterday I was looking at the stats and there's 400,000 licenses here in California. I don't know what the population is. I need to look it up just because now I'm curious. But it's crazy how many real estate agents there are. So learning in a tough market like that is huge, don't you think? Yeah, yeah it's been it, it's been good for me. I, I just I really didn't know any better, and I just people said pick up the phone and call people and meet people and shake hands, and that's what I did. And so fast forward a bit to what it's eight years later, and and. What does your team look like now, or what is what is yeah. what does your business look like now? So, 2015, we did um, 239 transactions. Um, so That's we, awesome. That was about 81 million in volume. Um, and so, our team looks like we've got uh, four other agents, and then about eight other people on the team that are administrative. Um, and when I say administrative, two of them are inside sales, and then the rest are. Um, listing coordinators, contract to close, like transaction coordinators, uh, marketing and advertising, branding specialists, um, and then a couple of virtual assistants that help us kind of in the background. And so help me understand a little bit about team numbers because I think sometimes it can be a little bit misleading. So does all of the production go in under your name or does it all go in under the agent's names? Like. You're not personally just yourself selling 239 units, are you? Right. Okay. No, um, we do put it all under my name just from the standpoint of for the team numbers. Um, but it's one of those things that um, it has been, there are five agents doing 81 million. So what we have, we've got it broken down to where we've got our agents don't do everything. They just do one thing. So we've got buyers, we've got a lead buyer's agent, and then we've got two showing specialists. And then I'm the listing agent, and then we've got an investment specialist also. So tell me if a buyer specialist, so what you say they do one thing. What is that one thing that buyer specialist does? 
Well, when I was saying one thing, they, they work that one side of the business, and they really have kind of three, I mean, they've got kind of three jobs. Their jobs are to lead generate, show properties, write offers. Okay. And those are kind of their three one things on the buyer side of the business. Okay, cool. So then the showing agents help with showings and that kind of thing, right? It really frees up the time. So my lead buyer's agent really, she shows a, she shows a little bit of property, but she's really, our showing specialists do nothing but show property. I mean, they're not writing offers. They're not negotiating offers. They're not doing any repair negotiations. They're strictly, their job is to find coming soons, network with other agents about properties that aren't on the market yet, and ultimately just show properties. So I find this really interesting, and there's some, a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I hear the objections of many agents in hiring a showing agent because I think that that's a huge, it's a brilliant philosophy because most, a lot of agents don't want to necessarily deal with buyers because their time is, so much time is spent showing property. But they're like, well, I can't really delegate that because that's when, you know, I find the most out about clients or like how, is there any conflict for clients, number one, and how does your team get around kind of a lot of those objections of one person showing on property and one person's writing contracts and like do they feel handed off? I'm guessing they don't. But how does how does the psychology work around that? I think I think from an agent's perspective, I think it's a totally a limiting belief that they can't do it or it's you know, the only reason they can't do it is because they haven't learned how to package it correctly, number one. And number two Oh, I like that. They think that their client wants them when really their client wants the house. And so, like in in my opinion, it's a it's a um, it's more of a value. I guess it's how people look at it. It's all kind of perspective. But my opinion is that it's doing more for the client because if if I'm their only agent and I'm in a meeting and a property hits the market at two o'clock in the afternoon and I can't show it till until seven o'clock in the afternoon and they lost it and there's ten showings between two o'clock and seven o'clock. They're probably not going to get it, or they're going to be one of several offers. Nashville right now, we have very low inventory, and so certain price points in certain neighborhoods, there's a lot of uh, competition and a lot of multiple offer situations. So we package it as, you know, who cares who on the team is showing it to you as long as you're finding the right property and you're able to get into it in a timely manner. Um, if you want to work with one particular person, that's totally fine. But there might be times when somebody else has to open the door for you so we can get you the right property because at the end of the day, you hired us to find you a property based on this criteria, and that's what we're going to do. So really what you're saying, and I, I love that, is it's really more of the agent mindset. And don't you think it's setting the stage? Obviously, when you your agents meet with the client, they're explaining that to the consumer. Oh, yeah. right. We spend more time on the front end. I, I, think, I think a big piece of real estate is about three things. I think it's timing, I think it's setting expectations, and I think it's communication. And so, Wait, I gotta write that down. Hold on, that was good. So timing, setting yeah, expectations, and what was the third one? And over communicating the important stuff. So for me it's those if you can if you can nail those three things and you can and you can convey that to your client from a value perspective, they're they're never leaving. I mean you're just because it is all about timing. I mean, if you show if you show them a property that they love, three days after it was listed and it's already got fourteen offers, you're probably not getting it. 
Um, but if you show it to them before it's before it's on the market and it was coming soon, you might be able to tie that property up before. That's awesome. Uh, That's a tweetable for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. So it's one of those things. And then um, I read something a long time ago. I, I had a magnet on my refrigerator actually from a, a local college that said, always over communicate the important stuff. And important stuff to us as agents might be different than what is important to our clients or to the other agent or other people that are involved in the transaction. Um, that's such a key thing to remember because I think that's probably the biggest issue, right? Like when people complain about lack of communication, that is uh, uh, open to, to objections, right? Or open to, you know, choosing who thinks what's communicating is, you know, it's the age old thing of men and women, you know? <laughs> Were you there when... Um, Oh, now I'm not going to remember. Milton, I think, was his name. The great big guy that talked, and he talked about how he communicated with his wife. It was hilarious. I'll have to find the clip and, and put it in. But back in, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny because he said, you know, when he his wife's number one complaint was that he didn't say, I love you. And so the next day he's like, okay, all right. So he says, I love you. And she says, well, you didn't mean it when you said it. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like this whole, <laughs> right? She's like, I didn't feel it, you know. So it was so funny because the, the confusion in how we communicate, uh, over-communicating, can never, you can never lose in that situation. Yeah, and so one of the things I was going to say is we spend a lot more time on the front end with our buyers. Um, so we do a buyer consultation. We bring them into the office. We try not to ever do it at a coffee shop or anything. I know that's convenient for them, but you don't meet your doctor at a coffee shop. Exactly. You don't meet your, you don't meet your attorney or any important. And for me, you know, rarely are you spending half a million dollars or whatever the price of your home is or the cost of your home. You're not spending that with your doctor. You're not spending that with your attorney or your financial advisor. So I look at it and go, we need to be in an area where we can really sit and talk openly and really, really dig for their motivation and their what you know. A lot of people say, "Well, I'm looking for a two, you know, three bedroom, two bath, two thousand square feet. I want oh, you know." And then they start looking at properties, and they either were ignorant to the process or or just didn't know the market or whatever it is. So we really try to spend more time on the front end, and it hopefully saves them time on the back end because if you know if we have to spend an extra half hour at a buyer console um, explaining to them what's going on in the market and really educating them. I mean, that's part of our job. It, you know, negotiation and all that is part of our job too, but really making them, getting them to understand what's going on in the market and preparing them for what happens is, is uh, really important. So that's that's part of the over-communicating and, and really setting expectations from our perspective, like what they expect, what they should expect from us as well as what we expect of them as, as great clients. You know, so a lot of agents struggle with that as well. Well, I can't get them to come into the office or, you know, they don't they don't want to meet with me or I, I hear this a lot and I on my team we do buyer consults as well. Like it's it's so vitally important. It's a limiting belief. I mean, if you don't believe your client will come in, like have you asked them? Have you told them or explained to them or asked them enough questions to make them understand why it's so important? And so that's what we do on our team is we really, really dig in and we kind of set expectations and really just try to get them to understand why why we're doing what we're doing and how it's going to help them in the long run. And there's been people that we've we've shown we've shown properties to that we're working with another agent for six months, two that we have under contract right now. We're working with 
uh, different agents. They came to us, found something in like three days or less, and they were just like, your team is absolutely amazing. And it's like, you know, we just, we've done it so many times and we know what we're doing compared to the average agent. Um, it's unfortunate how easy it is to get your real estate license. I know. Um, a lot of consumers, you know, one of the things Gary Keller said at um, Megacamp this past week was, he said it's your job to go out and find those people. They don't differentiate between a part-time agent and a full-time agent and somebody that really knows what they're doing. They don't know the difference. It's our job to make them understand the difference and who we are and why we do what we do and why they Using us. Well, and take that back to what you were saying with buyer consultants. Buyer consults. I would say that 95% of buyers don't know that that's not the way it should be done. Like they don't know that you shouldn't sit down and learn the process ahead of time. It just hasn't been done historically because I've represented buyers who have bought a home before and that never happened. And they're so shocked when they meet with our team. They're like, we didn't know. Our agent never told us any of that. Well, because you know, part of it's at the end of the day. I mean, it's kind of like getting pre-approved for a mortgage, and or you know, whether you're getting pre-approved, pre-qualified. We get everybody pre-approved through one of our lenders, um, but that's not really sexy when you're thinking about buying a house. That's the fun part. Right. I mean, going and looking at the houses. That's the fun part. Doing the buyer consult is not fun for a client. Right. But they have to understand going to the doctor's office is not typically fun. You're waiting in a waiting room and you're you know, you're, you're there for a reason. But um, I think that's a big piece of it is, you know, you watch HGTV and, and they, they cut out all and edit all the pieces. <laughs> yeah. You just show the fun, sexy part, right. which is the house. Right. And that's, yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Well, so now I know that we talked a little bit before we went on the air today and that a big part of your business and your team structure is getting referrals from other agents. Sure. So tell me how that works. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so overall, our business um, in 2015 was about 73% uh, referral of some sort. Um, so we really, customer service is really important and setting expectations and doing, you know, making sure that they don't feel like they're a transaction, um, really guiding them and helping them. And that, that's important for me because we get so many referrals and we do such a, we feel like we do such a good job. Um, in that process, but uh, you know, being really purposeful and intentional about the agent piece of it, um, going to Inman and going to Mega Camp and Family Reunion and some of these different conferences is we we have a lot of people moving to Nashville right now. So, of those 239 people that we helped, 48 of them were um, referrals from agents around the country. That's incredibly impressive. Yeah. So when I look at that, I mean, that's a pretty good percentage just from agent referrals and you know I always hear I always hear agents that go well I can't justify going to Inman or I can't that costs a lot to get on a plane in the hotel room and I go you know that cost me yeah. I don't know maybe $1,500 or whatever it is and last year we did you know $400,000 in, in gross commissions from agent referrals. Pretty good return on your investment. Pretty good return on your dollar when you look at it that way you know it's one of those things that I always kind of chuckle a little bit when people I'm just like you got to figure out a way to go, because even if you didn't get a referral, you pull back one nugget of information that you can put into your business, and it's it was worth it. Well, that's how we met. That's right. There you go. Well, so tell me what your strategy looks like for that. Like, do you stay in contact with the agents? Like, how do you communicate with them so that they don't forget you and they refer people to you? 
Yeah, so we do um, we do a monthly agent newsletter um, just that just goes out to agents, and I feel like you know we we try to add value in there. We obviously try to convey that they know that we're in Nashville, Tennessee, and we work Nashville in the Middle Tennessee market, but um, we're always trying to put a a video or some kind of document or something that we felt like, wow, this is really, we didn't know about this. This is really valuable. And so we add it to our newsletter. And we think that that, you know, little nuggets like that for agents, whether they're a team, whether they're an individual agent trying to get to the next level, um, those are things that, you know, might not appeal to everybody, but it, but you never know when you're going to open that newsletter and go, wow, this is really great. Or, hey, here are three apps we started using that, we really, really have enjoyed, and it's really helped our real estate business. Well, is that an winner, whatever it is? Is that an email newsletter, or are you doing good old snail mail? No, it's email newsletter. Okay. Email newsletter. okay. And so I'm happy to um, forward you one of those, and if you want to put a link to it, and yeah, whatever. So. Yeah, we'll add it to our show notes. Awesome. So we do that, um, and then you know we're purposeful. We go to some different events um, throughout the year, and we're purpose. I'm purposeful about finding out or seeking out people that are that I can either help um, add value to or people that might be able to help me in my business. And so really, you know, setting up dinners or setting up happy hours or networking, um, being on panels, um, helping them out after those panels and saying, here, here's my card, call me if you ever need anything. Just add value, add value, add value. That's, that's incredible because I've not really heard anybody saying that they're doing that amount of volume just from agent referrals. Now, are you all, does that count, are you referring out people too? That's, those were, those were 48 just into Nashville. Okay. Um, we probably sent out another, we probably sent out another 25 or 30 that closed last year. Some of them have um, carried over into this year and so I would say we probably get more than we send out um, just because there's a lot more people moving Coming into Nashville. Nashville. Mm -hmm. uh, so, which, you know, we try to send out as many as we can and we try to love on our agent referral network as much as possible. So anything we can add value to or any way we can help them, we certainly do it. So I love how you track a lot of your numbers. What are you using to track those numbers? How do you keep track of all that? Yeah, so for us, we use, and there's, there are several great um, um, numbers trackers out there. I know the, how we met was through Jesse. Yeah. He does his pipeline wizard, and it's great. Um, we use CTE. Um, it's um, a product. It's not a Keller Williams product, but it was a, a guy in Keller Williams designed it. And, you know, very rarely do um, operations or assistant people love a product that we as agents yeah. love just because our brains typically work very differently and um, my operations person got on it and was like I love it it's amazing and I also loved it and I go that's awesome I mean again rarely does that happen um, and so we've used that and it tracks our number of listings number of calls calls to contacts number of appointments shown uh, or set versus shown. I mean, any number that you could possibly track in your budget, in your business, I mean, it tracks everything. What does CT stand for? It's CTE. Um, the website is IWantExcellence.com. Oh, okay. Um, it's, commit, it's Commit to Excellence is the name of the... That's what CTE stands oh, for. Oh, I but see. Okay. But it, uh, the website is IWantExcellence.com. Okay. And um, a guy named Calvin Mergen 
created the product, and it's uh, it's evolving. They're about to roll out their next 2.0 type thing, but it's a really it's just been good. It's easy. I can log into it, look at it for five to ten minutes every day, know where our gaps are, know what we need to overcompensate for, um, things where we need to cut. Like, hey, we've done X amount of deals this year, and we haven't closed any from this lead source. Maybe we need to consider getting rid of this lead source. And so constantly looking at all those things. So what I love about numbers, and I say this all the time on podcast and in the trainings that I do, is I love that numbers don't lie. Like they tell you the truth, right? And they don't take anything personal. They don't get their feelings hurt. They don't any of that. And so the great thing about numbers is they tell you what direction to go. Like you just brought up a key point saying, if we're getting no business from this lead source, but maybe we're spending, you know, $500 a month or, you know, five or $6,000 a year and we're getting no business from it, we need to either cut it or we need to figure out why we're not getting business from it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of those things, you know, when you, when you start looking at your numbers and tracking your numbers, your team can't really argue with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, um, you... You committed to this, and right. you agreed to it, and you're actually the one that came up with the number, yeah. and, you know, the numbers are this, and so what's the deal, you know? Uh, where, where are we at, and how can we how can we get back to that? But you're right. I mean, numbers don't lie. They so so tell me this. How do you, how often do you and your team meet? So um, we meet every Wednesday at 1 o'clock, so as, a, as the entire team. Um, we've changed up our team meetings a little bit, so we do one-hour team meetings, but we typically do 30 minutes for the whole team, and then thir the last 30 minutes we break out between, like, the admin team breaks out and talks, and then the agent team breaks out and talks. And what do, so, you, what do you find is the best way, really, to – how do you motivate your team? Sure. You know, one of the things that we do at our team meeting um, – we start our team meetings off with our ahas and our what we're grateful for, or, uh, thankful for, and then ahas throughout the week. Like it could be an aha about anything in life, but a lot of times the aha is like, I didn't know that this would happen in a transaction, or hey, just so you know, they changed up this or this or this. Um, you know, motivating them is really it's hard sometimes. I think um, because you have to know um, people's behavioral and personality profiles everybody you know i think everybody thinks well people are motivated by money and it's like people are so i mean there's so many people that aren't yeah. motivated by money i mean obviously everybody needs a certain amount of money to to live and do um but you know it's really digging into um, we do personality assessments for everybody on the team so we do um disc profiles and we do uh well we used to use avas um, which is activity vector analysis and it's a very detailed um, personality or behavioral assessment that just tells you how they're motivated, how to talk to people, how not this person doesn't want to be talked to this way. This is how you motivate them. This is how you don't move. You know, so it really is insightful, and you really have to sit down with every one of them individually and um, kind of figure that out and figure out what their style is. You know, uh, a good friend of mine, Shannon, last weekend we were working on some open house stuff and marketing and. And we were talking about, you know, drive and desire. And she goes, well, you know what? Here's the way I look at it for her. She said, 95% uh, of problems can be solved by making more money, <laughs> right? So, like, if you're struggling at home, that can help. If you're having daycare issues, that can help. Like, 
and, and I realize that not everyone is motivated by money for sure, but it sure can solve a lot of problems. It fixes a lot of, fixes a lot, a lot of things, and it's, and it's easy to get distracted by that and think, oh, you know, people come up with all the reasons why it doesn't work, but uh, it sure solves a lot of problems. It sure makes things a lot easier. That's what I tell my, that's what I tell my team about lead generation. It, it doesn't fix everything, but a lot of the problems that teams have is fixed by lead generation. Yes. Need more listings, they generate more. Right. Need more buyers, go do open houses or go do you know call Zillow leads or whatever your lead source is, and so and it fixes the money problems. Too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell, let's talk a little bit about lead generation. What are some key things? That I, obviously, seventy three percent of your business is coming from referred clients. So you guys are doing a great job of utilizing your database and staying in contact with them, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. So I, I call a lot of our past clients just because a lot of the past clients are my past clients or they came from my network and my database. Um, I'm in the office every day really early. Um, I wake up at 4.42 every day. That exact and, minute? 4.42? Yeah, exactly, yeah 4.42. <laughs> I know it's weird. You know the old school, the old school clocks and you'd fast forward them and they'd go to like, you'd want them to stop at 4.40 or 4.45 and it stopped. I did it a couple of times. It stopped at 4:42, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not going like all the way through the 12 hours." So like, oh. That's funny. <laughs> I'm extremely impatient. So, okay. Um, yeah, I, I get into the office, so I do a I do a call with my buyer team every day at eight o'clock Monday. Well, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, um, I do a 10 to 15 minute call with my buyer team um, every day. What are they working on? What do they need help with? That kind of thing, and then. I go into making my phone calls at 8.30 every day, from 8.30 to at least 11.30. Um, usually it's till 12.30 or 1, every single day. Um, and I don't I don't compromise on, that's the one thing in my business I do not compromise on. Unless I'm out of town or on vacation, I am in my office way before 8.30, but I'm lead generating and my team knows you don't, you don't come in my office unless like, you know, unless something's on fire, it's, I'm just, that's how serious I am about my lead generation. It's just, it's the one thing that has taken my business from where it started to where it is today. Um, and it's the one thing consistently that always works. It just does. You know, it's so funny because people, I wrote about this this morning. I write a daily email that I send out to, um, through my training company. And what I wrote about today is that it's, that, People are always looking for this like quick fix, this magic pill, this thing that's going to hit the lotto. And there was a great interview with Jerry Seinfeld, and they said, you know, what was it that he did that made him successful? And he said every single day he wrote. He wrote jokes. He wrote, you know, every single day, at no matter what. And he had a, a calendar on his wall, an annual calendar. And every day that he wrote, he'd put an X in the date. And his goal was, don't break the chain. Just don't break the chain. And I think that for so many, they're trying to do all these things. But if you just do what you're saying every single day, you're going to have enough business to carry you through. Well, the cool part about lead generation is it doesn't actually cost any money. I mean, there's always people to call. I mean, you can circle prospect. You can do open houses for other agents on your in your office, I mean, you can, you know, it takes time, but it, but it doesn't actually cost any money to lead generate. And so there's always, 
there's always it's reasons or results, right? I mean, you, you can you can always have a reason. Now that's readable. Reasons or results. I like it. No. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like I don't know. I mean, it's really easy, and agents just they do anything in their power to figure out a way not to lead generate, uh, or they go, I haven't found a good script, and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> really? The, the best script so, is hello. Yeah, just pick up the phone and have a conversation. How about we start there? You know, I mean, it's it, there's just you're right. You're dead on. I mean, agents come to me all the time and go, and we want Josh's like we want to hear what he's doing. It's like it's going to be really boring. Let me tell you. Yeah. I get into the office. I lead generate for four hours a day, and my business isn't fun or sexy. It's just really consistent. Yeah. Um, and it works. So um, I think they're looking for silver bullet all all the time and. There really isn't one, no. you know. As, as even when we get to 2020 and 2030, 2040, like the basics are always going to work, and they're always going to win. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit. So what are some goals? What do you What do you have on the horizon? What are you looking to do in the next year? Yeah. So um, we haven't set all of our 2017 numbers yet, but we get together every day for Focus Day in September and really map out what we've done so far and and where we're wanting to go. So. Um, our goal this year was 110 million. Um, we'll fall a little bit short. I always say I, I hate not hitting our goals, but goals aren't really made to hit because yeah. if you hit them, then that means you set them too low. Yeah. So we'll we'll end up somewhere around 95 to 100 million in, in sales volume, um, and that'll be somewhere north of 250 transactions. Um, the goal, you know, I, I haven't set my 2017 goals yet, but. Uh, we're, we're wanting to build out our ISA department a little bit more, so our inside sales. Um, they're really in charge of calling a lot of our leads and sign calls and circle prospecting for buyer, you know, we have buyer needs, so we tell them what those buyer needs are and they call. So building that out and, um, and adding an, an, a listing agent to the business and getting a uh, director of sales. And really hold the team, the agent team accountable. So I love that you have a focus day, and as we got a few more minutes, and so I wanted to. So what does your focus day look like? I love that. So that's something I'll send you guys as well if you want it. It's um, you know we have a binder for everybody, and it's got a very um, very specific. So we go off site, um, spend a full day, phones off. Um, you've got ten minute breaks every you know hour and a half or so. To call people back, but it's a very focused. They've got to bring certain things with them. So we do a vision board. Um, I want everybody uh, to have a vision board each year. Um, I've got two of my vision boards over there, and I, I literally look at them every single day. And um, the one from 2015 is still up. And I literally, outside of uh, a $10,000 Breitling watch, I shouldn't buy. Uh, <laughs> I, I Let's see it. Turn your camera around. Can we see your vision board? Oh, you can yeah. sort of see them, yeah. So you can kind of see it. They're just little, um, my little bit. Love it, yep. That goes over um, what what our goals are, what we're doing. I like that uh, couch. Oh, yeah, that's, well, that was supposed to be representative of um, the office that I'm buying, and that's going to be the sofa, that the leather sofa that sits in my. Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah, I do vision boards, too. Mine's at home. It's at my home desk. It sits right in front of me. So we do um, vision boards, and then we really dig into our numbers, and everybody's got different numbers, and so we really try to mesh all those numbers together and make sure, are they realistic? Um, how are we going to hit them? 
you know, how many calls do we have to make on a daily basis as a team? Um, we do call nights as a team, so we lead generate together on a weekly basis. Um, we do quarterly um, big big call days, so we'll do we just do contests. We we're constantly trying to motivate the team to do different things because there's always you know there's there's some people that love making phone calls more than others, and that's just part of it. And some people excel at it. Some people are really good on the phone. Some people, hey, I want to go door knock, and I'm totally good with that too. So. Um, our focus day just brings us together as a team. We try to talk about, you know, what what does the future look like? What does 2020 look like? What is our culture? How can we make our culture even better? How can we attract better talent? Um, and and how can we make how can we make it where nobody would ever want to leave our team? How can we make it so great that you'd have to be crazy to leave our team? Well, wow, I don't know if we could say much more than that. That's pretty impressive. And who knew when I met you at a random Zillow event that you would be the amazing man that you are. So, you know what? Thank you so much for being on our show today. We got a ton of great nuggets, and uh, I will get the stuff that you send over to me. We'll attach it to our show notes. And so people want to get on your agent referral list. It sounds like you're crushing it in that arena, among other things. Thank you. I will send a link to Christina with two or three of these things, and we'll go from there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Josh. You've been a real treat, and I look forward to uh, getting out there to Nashville and hanging out with you a little bit. Yeah. All me anytime. Thank you. All right. Make it a great day. Take care. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, hop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.